You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Blue Jays podcast. Tim McMaster here and our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And Gregor, the Blue Jays have made another move. Not a lot of teams can say that at this point still in the offseason. But they trade for young Hervis Salarte. Uh, a couple of minor leaguers go to San Diego and the Blue Jays had continued to say that they wanted to add to that middle infield depth, that infield depth overall, and and here they have done it again. Talk about how Solarte fits into the plan. Yeah, it's an interesting move because, as we've touched on on previous podcasts, it was a little bit curious that the Blue Jays deemed the infield depth such a priority. You kind of figure it after uh, acquiring Alemis Diaz earlier this offseason that they might think that it's enough, but clearly they did not. And I think a lot of that ties into the long-term health concerns of Troy Tulowitzki and Devin Travis. And in this particular case, Solerte gives the Jays another guy who they feel can step in when needed and, and give this team every day at bats, and it could kind of come all over the place. Uh, I mean, he's going to be in the mix at second base. Uh, I, I think Diaz probably would be the primary backup at shortstop. Uh, but Solerte is an option at third base as well. Uh, you know, one of the questions I had after the deal was whether or not they would still look at Diaz as for sure a, a big leaguer after this and because he does have options remaining on his contract. And, and general manager Ross Atkins was pretty clear. He sees a spot on the big league roster for both of these guys. So you're going to have two versatile uh, players coming off the bench. And with the health question marks that this team has, uh, it was something that they deemed necessary for the 2018 season. Yeah, they saw in 2017 when the injuries occur, just how big a hit it can have on that roster, and that'll certainly be helped out a little bit. All right, we're going to get into uh, the rookie career development program a little bit uh, later in the podcast. Rowdy Telez was one of the players down there representing the Blue Jays. We'll hear from him. Before we get to that, though, we're going to dive into the Blue Jays lineup, rotation, and bullpen as constructed right now so no more changes can be made it's as if opening day is today and this is the team's rolling team that the blue jays are going to roll out there uh we'll get your thoughts on how it can stack up gregor but the lineup you've put together here is devin travis leading things off at second josh donaldson at third batting second justin smoke batting third at first then kendrys morales the dh batting cleanup followed by russell martin behind the plate Troy Tulowitzki at short, Teoscar Hernandez in right, Steve Pierce in left, and Kevin Pillar in center. Uh, when you look at this lineup and what the team has already done this offseason, do you think this is the lineup that we see on, on opening day? Or there's still trades to be made, moves to be made? I, I think they're going to need to do something with the outfield. That's the obvious spot right now where there's a clear potential for an upgrade. I mean, uh, this team is coming off the year in which they scored the fewest runs in the American League in the, in the lineup that you just read out. Uh, is, is what it looks like today on paper, uh, but nothing has really changed uh, from the end of last season. I mean, the, the, the bench is unquestionably better, as we've already touched on, but the everyday lineup has essentially remained untouched. And uh, certainly the Jays are hoping that a return to health will, will lead to some increased production at places like second base and shortstop, a full year from uh, Josh Donaldson as opposed to the couple of months he missed last year. Certainly those are all, all signs for optimism, but then you have to worry about some, some regression from a guy like Justin Smoke. And so uh, this team really does seem to be missing an impact-type bat, and, and you could easily slot one into the corner outfield spot. And so uh, if there's a change coming, and, and I think there will be a change coming, I think it's going to come in that spot because uh, the Jays certainly need to do something a little bit extra to really solidify that lineup. 
I think all you need to notice is that the the outfield in this current lineup that you've put together, batting seventh, eighth, and ninth, not really yeah. the way you want to draw things up on a major league uh, lineup and roster. For sure. All right, moving on to the rotation where things shape up significantly better than the lineup right now. If no moves are made, Marcus Stroman, followed by Jay Happ, Aaron Sanchez, Marco Estrada, and Joe Biagini. Obviously, those first four guys have been staples of this rotation. Biagini's been a guy who's been effective out of the bullpen and starting. Um, those top four are pretty much locks, I think. Is Biagini, is there a chance he's not number five? Yeah, I think there is, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Jays do there. I think at the very least you're going to see them uh, bring in a veteran-type guy to compete for that job, uh, which is Jeannie, but I also wouldn't rule out uh, the Jays going out there and eventually finding someone that they're going to give a guaranteed deal to or, or find a trade partner there. I think it would be a short-term deal. The Jays certainly aren't going to be in the market for a guy like Jake Arrieta or, or even a guy like Alex Cobb. Uh, but, you know, for the, the market that they're looking for, uh, when the dust settles here, I think the outfield will be taken care of first. And then as we get closer to spring training, I think the rotation becomes an option. But, you know, certainly there's a lot to like, like in that top four, especially when you're looking for bounce back years. Marco Estrada, Aaron Sanchez, you combine those two with uh, Marcus Stroman and Jay Happ, and those four can match up with pretty much every, anybody. And the question is whether or not this team is going to have enough depth and uh, certainly one way to go ahead about doing that is by going out there and getting another fifth starter and, and then using Biagini either in that long reliever type role out of the bullpen or stashing him in the minor leagues for, so that when someone goes down with an injury, the Jays have a suitable replacement in hand. And, of course, the big question, I think, is Aaron Sanchez, the blisters, the injury, and just, just being able to be healthy because we saw so much potential in 2016. And it we thought, I mean, he looked like he might be the ace of the staff in 2017. That certainly did not play out. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, he, when healthy, he matches up with just about anybody in all of baseball. And the thing to, to remember about Sanchez, too, is you know, as good as 2016 was, it was his first full season as, as a big league starter. And so he was really only getting started on what he can do. And so, uh, you know, we'll have to see how a, a full year basically away from, from pitching, uh, you know, impacts him. Uh, but when you look at that front of the rotation, I mean, you, you probably split up Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez in the rotation just to give teams a different look. Uh, but as kind of, you know, on paper, guys who are number one and number two, uh, you know, that they're going to give you a chance to compete almost every night. All right, now let's move on to the bullpen. And Roberto Osuna obviously back as the closer. Ryan Tapera, uh, Danny Barnes, Dominic Leone, Aaron Loop, Tim Miza, and Carlos Ramirez is who you have listed down. Um, Osuna has obviously been a guy who's proven that he can get it done. Um, when you look at this bullpen as a whole, how strong is it in your mind? Um, it's, it's a strength for this team. I think what, what really is the biggest strength for this team is, is, is how affordable all those guys are. I mean, Roberto Osuna going into his first year arbitration, he's in line for a really big raise. Uh, but then you've got Ryan Tapera, Danny Bard, and Dominic Leone. Uh, on pre-arbitration deals at a very, very affordable rate. You look around baseball, the amount of money that teams are spending to try and shore up their middle relief. You know, this is a really a luxury that the Jays have, have so many options under control. And Carlos Ramirez, as a rookie, uh, you know, kind of offers some, some additional upside there as a, as a guy who could become the fourth piece 
in that uh, setup type role. And so, uh, you know, the one thing that Jays certainly should be a little bit concerned about is regression from that group. I mean, the relievers really are notoriously predict, hard to predict from one year to the next. And, and you know, uh, Tapera and, and, and Barnes and Leone are all coming off a season in which they were worked very hard. And so certainly one of those could drop off. But the thing to like about this bullpen is that, you know, even if one of those guys falters, that's where you have a, a Ramirez who can potentially step in and, and, and eat up some, some high leverage innings for you as well. So uh, I think when it's all said and done, it might not look as good as it does on paper right now, but at the end of the year, I think the Jays will be just fine with that bullpen. Yeah, certainly will. All right, I mentioned the Rookie Career Development Program and Rowdy Telez being down there, one of numerous Blue Jays who uh, represented the organization. For people that don't know what that program is, uh, every team sends three, four prospects down to, it's in Virginia, a little bit outside of Washington, D.C., for a weekend. Everybody's put up in a hotel, meals provided, um, and lots of programs provided. They cover pretty much everything a player would need to know about being in the major leagues that has nothing to do with actually playing baseball, whether it's how to act on social media, how to act with the media, how to answer those tough questions, how to be in a clubhouse and deal with uh, the clubhouse attendance, all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't even think to, to think about before maybe you get to the big leagues. That's all covered, and, and it's a really good program. Um, our guys that were down there, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, got a chance to catch up with Rowdy Telez, currently the number 12 prospect in the Blue Jays organization. Those new rankings will be coming out fairly soon. Um, he's a big first baseman, spent all of 2017 at AAA, and he talked at the program about getting through a tough 2017 where he had to deal with some stuff off the field, including his mom being sick for a while. Well, let's just start out with uh, being invited to, to come here. Uh, what did you heard about the, the Rookie Crew Development Program, and what did it mean to you that the Blue Jays wanted you to come? Uh, it is an honor for the Blue Jays to send me here. I, we, uh, Blue Jays do a rookie development camp in um, Toronto, and it's a, I'm assuming it's similar to this, and you learn a lot from that, but it's an honor for them to select me to come to here, and I have nothing but appreciation for the Blue Jays and everything they've done for me throughout my career. and um, Especially over the last year, I had a, I had a tough year, so you know they've been... Uh, Everything and everything to me, supportive, and they've always been there for me. So it's a, it's a great pleasure to be here. Well, they always say that adversity can be like the the best teacher. What now that you've had a little time from that tough season? First, what what went wrong? I guess would be the simple question. And then what we what were your takeaways from that? Now that you've had a chance to reflect in terms of taking those and, and learning f from those tough moments. Um, I wouldn't say anything really went wrong. There was a I had a little adversity with my family and and health issues and. Um, I really didn't know how to handle those, and uh, it, uh, I'd say it affected the way I played, the way I um, not handled the way I was on the field, but I kind of let it get to me subconsciously, I think. But um, I tried to go to the field every day, same guy, day in and day out, smile on my face, uh, respected the game, respected my staff. Um, you know, they were also there for me to help me through my tough situation, but uh, I couldn't be more grateful again for the Blue Jays and what they meant to me and what they helped me with um, just talking to me and making sure everything was okay and um, offering any help that I needed if, if it arised. It, uh, I think sometimes people forget that you guys are human beings and, and being able to, to, to function. Is that like, it's hard to compartmentalize that, that stuff, uh, isn't it? I mean, there must have been times where you're going through and you know, oh, you have to show up and do your job and things like that, but uh, to put it at completely out of your mind so you can perform must have been must have been rough it's it, it is like you said it's hard to compartmentalize about you know your family and people do sometimes you know even 
we as players forget that you know we have our own lives we are so caught up in how we're doing that day or how our team's doing but um you know when family events like that happen it is hard sometimes to go back and forth and really understand you know we live our own lives too and we have a job to handle and but we also have a family to take care of and support you know um family's everything to me i was raised to be really close with my family um and so when the event happened it was a it was really hard to handle and I kind of, I think I took it harder than anybody, being that I don't live with my family. I live, you know, across the country in Florida now. And, um, but it was just a, it was a difficult transition. And it was hard to understand. And I was really thankful the Blue Jays were able to keep people in my corner to help me throughout the year with learning how to handle that and how to deal with adversity, not just on the field and struggles, but the adversity of, you know, everything happens for a reason and family struggles are a part of life. And how do you handle those while you're going through a, a season that, you know, is in AAA is you're, you're a phone call away from the top. So, um, again, the Blue Jays helped me a lot through all this. Let me ask you a couple of just sort of fun questions. What, what's, uh, if you were to pick one uniform number, like what's your number when, you, when you're able to get it? 44. Why is that? Um, well, multiple reasons. I mean, I grew up a massive Giants fan being from Sacramento. My dad's from San Francisco. But uh, Willie Stretch McCovey was my was one of my favorite players growing up, and uh, I always really liked that number. And you know, Reggie Jackson, Hank Aaron. I mean, best has worn it. So I uh, I want to try and follow in their footsteps. And it's just a it's a good big guy number. <laughs> what it is? You're right. What um what's the craziest experience you've had on a baseball field like during your pro career? Um. I've had a funny one in the Arizona Fall League. There was a pop-up, and uh, we were at Salt River, and Chris Abago was catching. He was with the Rockies, and Tyler Austin actually made contact with him. So the play was essentially a dead ball play. Batter was out, but I came running in from first base behind the home plate, and I slipped. I actually overran the ball and then slipped and caught it as I was falling backwards. As I was falling backwards, I was blowing a bubble. And uh, they had it on Twitter, and it was pretty funny. I was just blowing this huge bubble as I'm laying on the ground. But... Um, a crazy moment? I don't know what all that entails. I just have some, I have some funny ones. Tripping over first base, trying to catch a pop-up. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I remember that one in the fall league, by the way. It's, yeah, uh, it, was, it was pretty comedic. What's your favorite, uh, do you have a favorite uh, childhood major league moment? Like uh, going to a game or, or watching a game from when you were a kid growing up being a Giants fan? Um, I have a, quite a few. I mean... We went to a lot of Giants games, and my dad's a massive Bay Area fan, so Warriors, 49ers, Giants. Um, so I grew up a huge Giants fan. We go to know, five to ten games a year, but watching Barry Bonds play um, was one of the things for me as a kid that was um, crazy. You know, everybody talks about uh, 756 home runs. They're like, oh, do you remember which home runs you hit? Um, I remember being at the game for 659 because he – absolutely launched it and then um no and getting an autograph from him was a really cool experience but going to the games reliving my dad's childhood when he went to candlestick and they candlestick sorry and they would uh, sneak in through the back and you know we never did that but just being uh, around my dad in major league games was one of those things that made us that much closer and you know he never got to play you know in, in my shoes and i just get to be the child for him that he can, you know, kind of live through and achieve his dreams through me, and I will eternally be grateful for that. My right, last question for you: Who is your celebrity look-alike? Um, oh, 
our uh, one of our managers, or now he's our catching coordinator, is Ken Huckabee, and uh, one of our managers in short season, Dennis Holmberg, called me um, Haas Cartwright from, I think it's from Bonanza. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if, if that's right. Haas Cartwright, I know. That's what they called me. I don't know the actor's name, but I don't We'll have to look it up. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. If I put on a cowboy hat, it looks a lot alike. All right, Gregor, so it, it was a tough season. One of the things he talked about was the fact that through it all, the Blue Jays' organization was tremendous, and, and he really had a lot of appreciation for that. Yeah, his, his, the context for, for those quotes are, you know, tell us his mom got diagnosed with melanoma, um, you know, just before the start of the 2017 season, and it was something that didn't come out publicly until, until several, several months later. But, you know, one can certainly appreciate uh, you know, the, the difficulty that Tellez would have had to have with balancing, uh, you know, the, both the perfect professional life that he had with the Blue Jays, but also the personal situation that was going on with his family. And, uh, you know, at the development camp, he was really forthcoming about some of the issues he experienced last year in 2017. And in that sense, uh, you know, this orientation program could help him even more because, you know, he said that 2017 was, was a learning experience for him on the field and some of the struggles he dealt with, but also, uh, learning how to deal with those, you know, everyday life pressures and, and, and tragedies that, that can happen in everyday life as well. And so 2017 was that for him. And, and as he looks forward to 2018, I mean, this is a guy who, who would really like to have a bounce back season after the struggles he had in 2017. The, the, the story for him in this organization looks a little bit different now with the breakout year Justin Smoke had. But if Justin Smoke gets hurt at some point in time, uh, Tellez is going to be the first option in the minor leagues that the Jays turn to. And, and a lot of people forget that he's still just 22 years old, and even though he's coming off a season in which you know, he only had six home runs, and that's not what you want to see from a, a developing power bat, uh, you know, he's still just basically a half season away from, from really putting himself back on this Blue Jays map as well. So it's good to see him take part in that development camp, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him in 2018. Yeah, he's in that classic one injury away from the big league situation. So, uh, and definitely with plenty of experience there at the AAA level. And you mentioned still so young at 22, impressive stuff. Hopefully he can bounce back big time in 2018. That'll do it for MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition. For Gregor Chisholm, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.